Hey winner, welcome to Red Hot Mindset. I am so glad you're here with me today. So glad you chose to tune in. Hey, do me a favor. If you've been with me for a while and you've been enjoying these episodes, would you head on over to iTunes and uh, share a review? It's a great way for others to find the podcast and to be able to add it to their library. Today we are in the midst of our 2020 Boston Mom Runners series. And today is a really special guest. I'm excited to share her story with you. Uh, she has a multifaceted story and a lot of really great tips that she shares along the way. So I really hope that you tune in, you hear those nuggets, and you do something with them. Okay, all you runners, how would you feel if you were able to cut one full hour off your marathon time between your first and second marathons? I mean, seriously, that would be awesome, right? Well, today's guest did just that to qualify for the 2020 Boston Marathon. Now, I will tell you, it wasn't easy. She struggled even getting into running at all, but she suffered a nasty IT band injury in training for her first marathon. Jennifer Hayworth has worked as a hairstylist in Eugene, Oregon for the past 18 years, and 14 years ago, a farmer came in for a haircut with her. Long story short, they fell in love, got married, had two kids, and currently live on their family's 6,000-acre fourth-generation grass seed farm in Harrisburg, Oregon. She still continues to work part-time as a hairstylist, her husband farms, and her kids are ages 11 and 8. She enjoys running, CrossFit, adventures, traveling, and also the solitude that comes with farm living. It's a beautifully balanced life. Today, Jen shares what changed and made the difference between her first and second marathons, and I think you're going to be surprised by what she says. We talk about prioritizing training and how she was able to do that with two small kids at home at the time, and we touch on just how important mental training is. You hear me talk about that all the time, that training your mind is just as important as the physical training. Today's chat will prove that once again, so let's dive in. Welcome to Red Hot Mindset. I'm your host, Gabe Cox, and through this podcast, I'm on a mission to help you step into the fire of refinement so God can mold and transform you into a woman ready to step into your calling and crush your goals his way. I do this by helping you overcome your mental barriers through a faith-based approach of building inner strength and resilience. Each episode, I will bring you thought process, productivity tips, and inspirational stories from everyday people, all so you can live intentionally and move forward confidently with the gifts God has given you. As a running enthusiast, I believe that life is one massive marathon and it's up to you to run your own race and to finish it well. Step into the fire with me because I know you will come out stronger. Well, welcome, Jen. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hello. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I am excited to dive into your story, but I'd love for you just to share a little bit about yourself and your family, kind of where you're from. Yeah, I'm uh, originally from California, and then I have uh, lived in Eugene, Oregon, gosh, for the past um, 20 years now, I want to say. And um, yeah, I have uh, my husband, I'm a hairstylist, and I met my husband while cutting his hair and um, fell in love. And now we have uh, got married two kids later. Um, one of them is 11 and one of them is eight. So we live on a grass seed farm. My husband's a grass seed farmer. And um yeah, live in Harrisburg, which is kind of on the outskirts of Eugene and um, just on property and love it. Yeah. I love that. I love it that you met him with a haircut. So did you 
did he ask you out the same day as the first haircut or did he come back for another one? Like, how did that? Oh my gosh. Well, how it happened. And it's so funny now knowing my husband, because he is so not a salon guy. He's like somebody I would think would go to like super cuts or something, but I worked, um, at kind of a higher end salon and he had come in to, uh, with his normal hairstylist and, um, that person had called in sick and they, I was, had a cancellation or I had some, a break in my day and I was in the break room and they came back and asked me if I would cut this guy's hair who's in and doesn't care who he goes to. And so they stuck him with me and then he just kept coming back about every three weeks. And we, um, kind of just had a professional relationship. He was just a client. And then over time, um, I think everything kind of fell into place and we started dating. So, and then got married, um, dated for about a year and got engaged and got married. So Wow. Here we are. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yes. It's so funny what a thin thread sometimes it is how you meet your spouse, you know, and I think that's really cool. Came in for a haircut. Yes. <laughs> he didn't yes. know he was, it gonna was... with the wife. <laughs> right. I am thankful that my uh, coworker called, you know, was sick that day, which you don't kind of wish on anybody, but it worked out for the best. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, there's no coincidences. So I think that's really no. cool. Now he's a farmer. And you guys ended up on a family farm. Um, what is it like being living on a farm and be and living the farm life? Well, I think that when I was cutting his hair, I thought that, you know, in my brain, I'm like, it's, you know, a pumpkin patch or it's like, you know, has animals and, and what's it like? And it's just, it's a grassy farm. So it's just a lot of fields of grass, really what it is. And, um, I think we have about 6,000 acres of grass fields. Um, we grow some wheat, a lot of um, just grass, really. And that's, we live out on property. We have a beautiful view. And I mean, it's really nice. I really, really enjoy it. So it's kind of hard certain times of the year. He works long hours. Um, he just kind of wrapped up with replanting for the year. And then you kind of maintain it and watch the grass grow. But, you know, for those five months, it's, you know, 14 hour days and, you know, you're kind of a single parent during the summer and, um, but it's fun. I'm excited for my kids. This is fourth generational grass seed farm. And so my kids will, um, hopefully, uh, love it and take over someday. So. Okay. That is so neat. I think that yeah. I think farm life, it's, I mean, it's probably, it's really busy, especially in those five months or whatever, but yes. does it feel simple? Like a simple life? Do you feel like you just are out in the middle of nowhere where you can just enjoy nature and different things or, or what is it like? Well, um, well, I live about 20 minutes from town, so we're not like super isolated or anything. And I actually have a ton of friends out here who all have very similar lifestyles. I have, um, my best friend is also a farmer's wife. And so we've kind of like through the years, just kind of, um, tag teamed and just kind of, we've gone on vacations during the summer together when our husbands can't be there and uh, just really helped shuttle kids. And, you know, I don't have any family here and um, she has some, but, you know, we just kind of make it work with, with who's around and it's, it's a lot of fun, but, you know, I kind of, I grew up on a cul-de-sac in, in town and, and there's parts of that that I just love and that you can go play with your friends and play basketball on the street with the neighbor kids and, I'm kind of, you know, there's the good and bad of, of living out in the country, but it is beautiful. It's peaceful, quiet, you know, we don't have close neighbors and, but it's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. 
and you get to see the views and all that. Now we're going to talk about your running story pretty soon here, but um, I know you started out on the treadmill. Do you run outside? Um, Do you run? And if you do, do you feel, is there ever any fear of the seclusion and feeling alone or how do you, what are the safety measures that you take when you run? So I never run out here ever. Um, it's, we live on a 55 mile an hour road. It has no shoulder, you know, people out here, there's accidents all the time because they, you know, aren't looking, paying attention. So I do not recommend running out here. And that's kind of the reason why I started on the treadmill. Uh, my mom gave me her old one. Um, and our previous house, uh, that we lived in before this had very low ceilings. And so my husband actually couldn't even get on the treadmill with he's six foot four and his head would hit the ceiling. So I'm five, four. And so I was able to run on it, but, um, yeah, it was, it was just kind of like, do what you can. And, um, it's what I had. And I didn't have like, I didn't know whether I knew a few other runners in town, but you know, I didn't have like a community of runners that I met up with or a training schedule. I mean, I I literally had no idea what I was doing. I just kind of got on the thing, started it, ran and, you know, kind of started from there. Yeah, that's cool. So now let's talk about your running journey. When did it begin and how did it start for you? Because I know you have a really cool story. Yeah. So I never really was a runner before. I mean, I did some track in high school, never really ran out of outside of there, but, um, I had, let's see my, my daughter, I gained about 85 pounds. I had gestational diabetes. I was just, it was really hard to get the weight off. And then I had my son, um, three years later. And also again, I gained 85 pounds like both times. And, he was almost a year old. I had a couple friends that had uh, trained and done a half marathon and just saying how amazing it was. And I was like, you know, it just sounds really neat. I wonder if I could do that. And so I, um, you know, signed up for a half marathon before I could even run. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to put it out there and have a goal to shoot for. And I know that I could get there if I just you know, three months of running and, and see what I can do. And so I just jumped on the treadmill at night after I put my kids to bed and, you know, I just, time was limited for me and, you know, logistically living on a busy street. So I just put my kids to bed at night and I would just jump up on the treadmill and I'd run for five minutes. That's all I could do. And then I'd walk for five minutes and then I'd run for five minutes and walk for five minutes. I remember that was my very first run that I did. I was, I was dying. I was like thinking, how am I going to run 13 you know, 0.1 miles in three months. Like I can barely even run for five minutes. And I think I had no, I started out, so I had no um, pressure on myself just to really finish it. But I, I didn't have any like goals of like, don't walk and don't, I just, I just wanted to like get to the finish line was really my only goal. And so looking back, that was kind of nice. And it was kind of nice not, you know, having uh, knowing what my potential is or having, being hard on myself. I was just really kind of just doing it just to kind of keep moving. Um, and I don't know if I had like a whole idea of wanting to lose weight. You know, I don't, I don't remember that ever being a thing for me. Like, I mean, of course I had weight to lose, but it wasn't like that was, I just wanted to do the half marathon. That was whatever size I was just do it. And so, you know, I lost weight over time, but every week I increased, I did five minutes of running one week for the whole week. And I I don't even know how many days I did, maybe like five days a week or four days a week. And then the next day, uh, next week I did 
10 minutes of running and five minutes of walking and 10 minutes of running. And then every week I just kept kind of upping it and upping it. And then after the three months was up, um, I ran my very first half marathon and I didn't stop one time. So finished it in two hours and 12 minutes. It was just such an amazing feeling. Um, and I was, I was hooked after that, that finished feeling. So that's awesome. So you get to the finish line and what was your first thought? Was it, oh, I, I like running, I'll keep it going. Or did you right away instantly say, I think I want to run a marathon next? No, I actually, during this half marathon, I, um, you know how there's marathoners and half marathoners and on your bib, it'll say like half marathon or marathon. So I had this fear the whole time that I was, I know there was a cutoff. I knew that the marathoners eventually during the course were going to go one way. I was, you know, the half marathoners were going to stay going the other way. And I remember thinking, I don't remember ever being a cutoff. Like, have I missed this? And I, I looked around at one point, I think it was like mile eight or nine. And I just remember everybody around me had a marathon bib on. And I was like, oh my gosh, I am in the marathon. Like, how? <laughs> so I kind of panicked, but no, crossing the finish line, it was so amazing. But I remember feeling like this was all I had. And I can't, I, I looked at those people that ran marathons and I'm like, that is so impressive. But how do they do that? Because I just couldn't imagine running more than that. It was all I had. Yeah. So no, it was never, never at that point, a goal for me. I was like, I don't think I could ever get there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And we're going to find out how you got there. So you had mentioned that you had struggled a little bit with postpartum depression. Now, when you took up running, did that, was that a form of therapy? Did it help you through that struggle or what were some things that you did as you kind of maneuvered through that journey in itself? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, both my babies were colicky, you know, they cried nonstop. I mean, I always just felt like pregnancy was hard for me. My, and then they're like, okay, you had a hard pregnancy. You're gonna have an easy labor. I mean, I threw up every day for nine months, uh, C-section, like, I mean, horribly colicky for like another nine months. I mean, it was just such a struggle and not having family in town and anybody to really like relieve me. And it was just like, I felt, um, like running was my therapy and it kind of still is. And when I talk to other people that run, it's like, we all have something, you know, it's, I think it's therapy for everybody. It's, um, I don't know. I was, I was, it felt good to do something for myself and have a goal. And it was just outside of being a mom and outside of being a wife and outside of my work. And it was just something that like, it was a form of suffering, but it was suffering that I chose for myself that I could do that. I could, you know, accomplish something, um, I liked that part of it. So it really did help me through, you know, that, that dark time of just raising kids and, and just struggling. I mean, it was hard Yeah, body image issues. And, you know, I think that a lot of women go through that after they have kids, it's like, you lose yourself. You don't even know who you, who you are anymore. And you just, you know, you're just trying to do the best you can. Right. Yeah. And running can, running is a lot of things. And I love hearing what running is to everyone. Cause it is different for everybody. But I think you're right. Everyone has a similar story in the fact that they started running for a reason or for something. Right. And it has right. become therapy in different moments of our lives. And I think it's trans, like for me, it's transitioned from a hate of it to a control <laughs> yeah. to a joy to now goals, you know? So it's always it's right. how it does transition it too. Um, so that's really neat. Now, your first marathon was in 2018. Um, right. I know you struggled a little bit with injury as you were training for it. Tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah. So actually I had set, um, in 2018 to do the Eugene marathon. I had already signed up for it. I had, um, registered and I was going on a girl's trip to Texas and I'm like, Hey, the Waco, Texas, the one that Chip, Chip and Joanna Gaines at their silos, it was the first year they were going to hold it. It was a week after or before the Eugene marathon. And I was like, you know, I think this one would be kind of cool to do. Maybe I'll do that one instead since I'll be over there. And so I signed up for that one. Somebody else um, kind of took my spot for the Eugene one that I had registered for. And then I had ran into IT band problems. And I think that, you know, you learn something every single run that you do, you know, you, you learned about training and nutrition and things you didn't do right and things you did do right. And so, um, I felt like I probably overtrained. I was doing CrossFit at the time and, um, I, um, so I was doing CrossFit and then I wanted to take up running and I wanted kind of it all. So I was like, I'm going to do running five, six days a week. And then I'm going to then run a ton on top of it. These marathoners probably run a ton of miles, right? Well, that's what they do. They don't do other things on top of it. So I think that I was doing too much all at one time. Um, looking back on it. Yeah. I just wrecked myself. And then once you wreck yourself with an IT band problem, it's like, I couldn't figure out how to get rid of it. And so I would rest or I would bike or I would, I, I bought 10 different pairs of shoes and then I would Google something. Oh, if I did this or gosh, one time I was like, I think that I'm, I'm driving and I'm sitting in my car weird. And so maybe that's causing it. I mean, literally I picked apart every single thing I was doing and um, I watched running videos on form and just everything. And so I'd actually only trained to 14 miles at the time, which is very low. Mm-hmm. And um, I contemplated uh, just backing, well, just doing a half marathon instead of a marathon. And I'm like, you know, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to see what I can do. If I have to walk some of it, that's totally fine. So I went over there on a girl's trip and I actually drove myself from, I think we were like an hour or so away um, north of Waco. And so I drove myself and my friend's car and stayed the night in Waco and got myself to the start line and then uh, ran the race by myself, got heat stroke. I had no, no idea about uh, fueling properly. I mean, all that stuff that goes into a marathon, I just was like, oh, you just run it. Well, there's like a lot more that goes into it than that. And when you're running in like 87 degree weather with humidity and, you know, not a lot of shade. And I mean, it, it about it, it humbled me. That's for sure. And so I landed in the, um, medical tent afterwards and had to rehydrate and I felt awful. And then I had to drive myself back to my, but at that point, I just wanted to finish the thing. You know, you're, you're in such misery that you just want to get to the finish line. And at that point, you know, you don't have a goal anymore. You don't care about your time. Uh, You just care about finishing it. So, Yeah. yeah, that's true. And well, and you're coming from Oregon. Um, so the weather is completely different, right? Oh gosh. I was running in like 50 degree, 40 degree weather. I mean, it was, and then you go run in 87 degree weather. It's shocking. Yeah. It's a shock yeah. to your system. <laughs> wow. So tell us, you, you met Chip on the course, didn't you? Um, what was that like? What did, what did you do there? So I didn't meet Chip on the course. I actually, uh, the start of the race, I, um, we kind of had this, we had this like stretching thing and group group you know warm up kind of thing and I met this girl there um and she was running the marathon also and so we were kind of chit-chatting but um 
I, you know, started the race, then we kind of broke off, did her own thing. And um, she, let's see, I saw Chip and Joanna Gaines, they were doing kind of some press stuff. And then when we, we started running, I saw, I ran at a corner and uh, Joanna and all of her kids were in a golf cart. And so I, I yelled at them and I waved and they all waved back. So that was pretty fun. And then on the course, um, so I finished um, and that girl that I had met ended up uh, finding me on social media, like Instagram and come to find out she like ran the whole time with Chip Gaines. So I'm kind of kicking myself because if I didn't care so much about just killing myself the entire time. I, I think my time was like four and a half hours and chips was like five hours and something, you know, something like that. But if I just would have hung back, I would have gotten a really totally different experience and it would have been really cool. So because she ran with them and I saw her pictures afterwards and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's like taking selfies with him during the race. And I'm like, why did I do that? <laughs> why did I why did I care so much about my time? I feel like I learned a, a lesson that way too. That's like, sometimes, um, you know, it's all about enjoying it, enjoying the process rather than just this goal. And you're just getting to the end for the time, you know? Absolutely. Oh, that would have been experience wins a bit, but you know, yes. we can't look back and go, Oh no, what if, but but yes, you learn. Totally. We all learn from yep. that. I think you're right. Sometimes it is about sometimes it is about hitting that goal and pushing ourselves and doing the hard. And sometimes it's about yep. let's find joy in the journey and in the process and kind of knowing which, you know. Yeah. If you would have known about the heat, you probably would have made that decision. But um, but you know, yeah. it was your first marathon. You didn't know what to expect. And no. I think a lot of us kind of struggle with or we I sometimes struggle with that too. Like, well, in the heat, I'm still going to run as hard as I can. And then you just realize, yeah. oh, you can't do that. Um, you no. have to cater it to the conditions because you're not in control of the conditions. Um, right. So at the finish, you were probably feeling really miserable, obviously in the med tent. Did you have thoughts of, I need to do this again? Or did you have thoughts of, I'm never doing this again? Oh my gosh. I was like, <laughs> I am never doing this again. I, and I, I literally have felt like this after every marathon I've done every marathon. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm never doing another one. Like this is, you know, it's always painful. It's always, you're always pushing yourself to its, your body's limit and it's just mentally draining. And you just always kind of feel like, no, I don't want to do that again. You know, but then you kind of it's like labor, you just are like, yeah, maybe it wasn't that bad. I can do that. <laughs> I always equate it to having a baby. <laughs> Yes, totally. We put ourselves through all this. My husband always is like, why do you put yourself through that torture? I'm like, I don't know. I don't and know. I know. My last one, he's like, I don't believe you. I'm like, you're right. It's not. I know. But so yeah. you did end up doing another one the year later. Yeah. And what I think is really impressive. So um, it didn't, it wasn't this huge struggle. I mean, it probably was still a lot of work and training, but you didn't have this huge struggle story about qualifying for Boston. You qualified on your second marathon, which is really impressive. Right. But the thing that I thought was the most impressive is you went from a four hour and 30 minute marathon to the next marathon. You dropped an hour. You went down to three, right. one. Um, so what I want to know is what made this drastic difference when you decided to train for Boston or to qualify for Boston, what was it? I mean, what made you drop that hour? 
So, um, first time around I was doing CrossFit, right. And then I was running way too much on top of it, you know, pulling doubles every day and doing all this stuff. Well, the second time around, I'm like, you know, you, you, something has to get, you can't do that much volume. So I'm like, I, I have this book called run less, run faster. And, you know, I've, I've heard a lot about the three day week training plan, you know, just very low mileage. And I'm like, you know, I think that my body would handle that a lot better. Let's give that a try. And so I ran, um, I did CrossFit five days a week still. And I ran one five miler a week, a four miler, a five miler, those stayed the same every week. And then I did one long run on the weekends and that went up by two miles every single weekend. And, um, I did a lot of mental training during that time, you know, more than, you know, I had the first time. So a lot of positive self-talk. I just believed that I could do it. I, I knew that it was going to be hard. I accepted that. I wasn't like fearful of it or, you know, um, I read a book called um, Girl Stop Apologizing by Rachel Hollis. And she said, you know, um, write a letter to yourself. I, I got a bottle of champagne. I wrote Boston uh, 2020 on it. And, um, I wrote a letter to myself because I think on race day, we're always so freaked out. We, do we train enough? Did we prepare enough? Do we, can we even run? I mean, we all have these doubts, right? So before when I wasn't in a state of panic, I wrote a letter to myself and just said, like, you can do this and you've overcome a lot in your life and just, you know, colicky babies and just everything. I was just throwing it all out there. Anything I've overcome, I put it in there and that you've done the training. You can do this. It's going to be hard, but you'll, and I still have a letter to this day, but I read it the morning of the marathon, you know, a letter to myself for myself. And then, um, so yeah, I just, I just followed this plan. I knew other people that were running marathons and, you know, you see people running 70 miles a week and I just had to really not get sucked into it because, and, and doubt myself you know, I was trying this thing. I was staying very healthy during it. I didn't have any IT band problems. I felt strong and I just kind of had to trust the process of it and not, you know, veer from that. And so that's what I did. And it really worked out and I believe in it. I really do. To this day, I'm like, that was the best run that I've had. And I trained the least out of everything. Isn't that interesting? Now I've heard mm-hmm. of run fast or run less, run faster. Yeah. I haven't read it yet, um, but it is interesting how sometimes as runners, we're like, no, we have to get the miles in. We have to have this many days and this many miles. Right. And we're so focused and rigid on that where yep. sometimes it's not about the miles. It's about the quality um, right. workout, right? And so do you still mm-hmm. train that way or have you changed it a little bit or? So this uh, last time I... So in that book, Run Less, Run Faster, there was like a beginner um, three-day-a-week Boston Marathon plan. Um, And so I did, um, what would you call it? There was like a beginner and then more of an, uh, I don't know, a harder one or whatever, but I did that one. And so it was a little bit more mileage, but it was still three days a week. And so I, I stuck with that, but I didn't do better. So I'm, I'm still like, a, but the difference is this time around what I did. So, so the first time when I qualified, I continued doing CrossFit three days a week. I mean, it's a lot of high intensity, mm-hmm. getting your heart rate up and, you know, strength training. And then I ran those three days on top of that. Well, this last time I did only three days a week of, of uh, CrossFit. And then I ran three days a week, but my mileage was a lot higher. Okay. So, you know, I'm still like, 
kind of plan around like what what works what doesn't work every race is different you know I ran different courses temperatures were different you know elevation um, Mm -hmm. all of that it's just you don't know what you're going to be like on race day or what the you know race is going to be like it can just there's so many factors that go into it so yeah yeah it's hard to compare yeah for sure because you're training differently for the specific regions the specific uh seasons, everything, right. Um, right. And you're feeling what your goals are, all the things you have to mm-hmm. hear your plan toward those things. So now you right. run four full marathons and right. uh, between your first and second, or maybe it happened before your first, but when did you start having the idea of, Hey, I want to qualify for Boston. Crazy as it sounds, my first one that I was training for when I knew I was doing Eugene, I was signed by for Boston. I'm just one of those people that like when I'm going to do something, I'm I just kind of go big, like have a big goal. I I feel like you can kind of do anything that you want to if you put time and effort into it. You know, if you're consistent, if you're, you know, kind of what you you get out of it, what you put into it. So. Um, I kind of always had that goal too, uh, in the beginning. And then I was like, you know, I got to shave off an hour off my first marathon time. Like, that's just crazy. I don't know. But I, I was like, you know, if I do things differently, I learned a lot, learned a lot about fueling and I, I've talked to other people and it's like, you know, I think I'm, I might do this. I just have to keep, I just had little goals for myself. And when I hit those, I'm like, you know, I might have a chance at this. Mm-hmm. you know, little runs or my long runs. I'm like, yeah, I, I've been able to stand at this pace. Like I, I might actually be able to do this. I actually signed up um, for, oh, I ran like twice with this running group um, in, um, it was a, a running store in town. And I remember running with these two girls and they also had uh, Boston qualifying on their, you know, radar. And I remember them chit-chatting about how their husbands were so annoyed that, um, how much time that they've put into training and that they haven't been able to clean the house and cook dinner. And like, it just consumed their life. And I'm like, I'm doing all that stuff. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I'm just like, wow, I, to be, I mean, they didn't have kids and I'm not saying that, you know, that was bad, but like I was able to have kids. It didn't affect our life. We had dinner together every single night. My house was still clean. I was, you know, it was, I was like, wow, you know, I shouldn't be so hard on myself. I'm actually doing a lot on outside of training too, you know, that, that really is tough. It's difficult. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you don't even know, um, what it's like if you don't have kids, you don't know what it's like having kids and no. still doing something. Cause you have all these different activities. Well, your kids were really young when you were, um, training the first time, right? Were, what were they? Three and one, no, four and one. Four and, and one. one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they were young. They were needy. <laughs> yeah. Not they're not when they get older. They're always needy, but yeah. it's a different season, right? This episode is brought to you by my book, Mind Over Marathon, Overcoming Mental Barriers in the Race of Life. If you feel like you just need a mindset shift because you are going after a goal and need some direction and encouragement, this book is for you. It will help you to ignite a passion and purpose in your life clarify your unique game plan and build confidence in who you are. At the end of each chapter are a quick faith devotional, thought-provoking questions, and a practical application that you can implement immediately. This book is about discovering a dream and taking it from inception to a flourishing finish. Running is optional. You can snag two free chapters at www 
www.redhotmindset.com slash mindovermarathon. Dream huge and remember, you are a winner, just run your race. It is, I mean, how did you make it work? Obviously you ran less, but you were still doing CrossFit. So you were working out still almost every day. So what are some things that you did to prioritize um, your training time, but to make sure that you were still present with your kids and with your husband? So still to this day, I get up at 4 a.m. every, almost every day, except for Sunday. Um, I go leave my house at like 4.30 and I either go run at five or I go to the gym at five and I'm home by 6.15. And then everyone's kind of waking up at that time and getting ready for school stuff and for the day. And, um, and then I'm done for the day. That's, that's how I did it. It was my, it didn't really take away from the family. It actually got me going you know, I come home and then I'm in go mode. I've been, I've been running, I've been moving my body. And it was like, I now can do laundry and dishes and just, you know, I just kept moving. I felt worse when I didn't work out in the morning. It was like hard, sluggish and hard to get, get moving. And, you know, even to this day, it's it's hard waking up at 4am. I don't feel like I'm just, you know, ready to go. It's like, I'm one eyeing it open and then I'm waiting for the other eye to pop open, you know, and it's, I'm tired. It's, But I make it a priority. I saw um, a thing one time, Kobe Bryant, actually, um, there was a quote and I, and I don't know the exact quote, but he was saying how he worked out really early in the morning, got home, was able to have the morning time with the kids, get him ready off to school. And then he would, you know, have evenings with his family. And then after the kids went to bed, he went back and worked out and trained and he was not willing to sacrifice a game and he was not really willing to sacrifice his family. And so he sacrificed his sleep and his time. And so I feel like, you know, we all can find time to do this. And I believe this, I know everyone's like, well, I don't, I don't know if I have time. Like our phones tell us every week what our screen time is. And it's a lot. I mean, people have the time to dedicate to it. And so, you know, even in my kids now, they'll be like, I didn't have time to do this. I'm like, you had time. It just wasn't a priority. So I think when you make it a priority, you will find the time to do it. And I always have kind of, that was the time that I could do it every day. It was consistent. It never, never wavered. I always did not have something going on at 4.30 a.m., 5 a.m., you know, it was my time. So that's true. That is very true. It is about prioritizing. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. a, A thing about. I never really was that in the social media, but I could see I was scrolling a lot and it, and I was yeah. like, I'm prioritizing this over things and this is silly. So I started getting off right. of it. I actually delete my Instagram account every day, um, which sounds yeah. really crazy, but I go on, I post, I look at things really quick and then I delete it. I don't just get off. I delete it. Um, and oh part of it's just because then I don't have to, it's not a distraction. I won't, go on my phone and look at it. I have nothing on my phone outside of a word game. So (laughs) um, Facebook's not on my phone and, and it is prioritizing. Um, Mm -hmm. So I hate it when people say they don't have time. Well, and if they don't have the time, then it's like, okay, so what is taking up all your time? Maybe see what's really important and get things out. Um, So you do have the time, right? Because some people don't, because they just, I've been in that season where I've had, I've had five different jobs and I've had this and that. And I really didn't, have the time. So I did train still though, but you know, I literally had no time to help other people and Mm -hmm. I'll never go back to that. You know, it's just priority. It's prioritizing. It's figuring out what's really important. Um, using what you have in the moment. And you know, at that one time I had a treadmill and that's all I had. I mean, I, 
I actually had people that were like, oh, treadmill training, like that's not the same. And, you know, kind of like really, you know, being negative about it. And I'm like, but this is really only my option. So like, let's, let's clap for that, you know? And I'm all about like, I love when, when I know people that are, that reach out to me, like, and it is intimidating. They're like, oh my gosh, you've qualified for Boston. That is like, but do you know where I started? I mean, I started literally on a treadmill for five minutes. So like you really, anyone can do that. I think that people look too far ahead at like, wow, you look amazing now. Well, I was 85, I gained 85 pounds when I had babies. Like it's, it's dedication, it's consistency. It's one foot in front of the other over and over and over and over again. I've been doing this now for gosh, eight years. And it's just doing it every single day, you know? And so think of how far you could be if you started last year, you know, people just, I think that the, the end result is so overwhelming to them that it's like, just have the little goals, you know? And I always believed in like uh, a checklist. So for my um, training plans, I would, you know, have, um, have all my trainings, uh, my training schedule. And I literally would just take a screenshot and like swipe it off. And so it was just checking, checking it off. I feel like, you know, every day you're just kind of like, it's visually you're making that, you know, that check mark. And so I think that that really helps, you know, keeping yourself motivated, going to buy new running shoes. Sometimes that helps or like having a reward for yourself or just little things just to keep you in the game, I think helps. And one of the best things I did, I think was just signing up for a half marathon before I could even run. I mean, people are just, I don't want to do that unless I know I can actually do it. Well, how about just sign up for it and then know that if I did X, Y, and Z in this training plan, I'm going to get there, you know? So, but I have to do that. And so I always told myself that even if I was tired or if I didn't want to do it, I didn't do it. I'm going to kick myself on race day that for the past, you know, how much I dogged it for the past three months, like you better put in the work, you know? Right. Yeah, that's so true. And I think sometimes when you make a decision, then you just figure mm-hmm. it out. And so you right. signing up for that half marathon meant, okay, now I'm going to figure out how to run it. And then you right. started doing those small goals. And I think that's important because sometimes like the Boston is a huge goal, but if you don't have things along the way to get you there or little stepping stone goals, I like to call them, you're not yeah. going to stick with it because it's going to feel way too lofty and you're going to get frustrated. Yeah. You know, you have to have those right. small wins and um, the small goals in between. So I totally, yeah. Agree. And my, my goal though was to qualify for Boston, right? It wasn't even to go to Boston. I actually wanted to qualify and I told people, but I don't really care about going. I just wanted to say I qualified. Right. Yeah. So after I qualified, I'm like, that was the hardest dang thing that I have ever done. And I'm going because that was so hard. Yeah. So after, you know, it's like, you say that before you do it, but then when you do it, it's like, oh my gosh, I, now I have to go like that. Not everybody can do that. I, I worked really hard and I made it. And so I, I better take the opportunity, you know? Yeah, absolutely. What does, um, when you were training for Boston, working to qualify for it, what was the meaning behind it? What made it so special for you that you wanted to qualify? Well, I just think that like, you know, um, starting, I just always think back to like where I started and I'm like, wow, I've come so far. Like that means something to me to make it from running five minutes to, I could go to Boston. That is so meaningful. That is huge. That is like the pinnacle of, you know, running 
for a lot of people, it's like a very hard race to get into. And, you know, I just was like all about it, you know, at that point it was, yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to do it. I don't know. Yeah. There's definitely something special about Boston and it does mean something different to everybody because everyone has their own journey to get there. Um, and you know, this would have been your first Boston, Boston 2020 and it was exciting. Obviously, uh, we're in the midst of overcoming a pandemic at the moment Mm -hmm. and, uh, whatnot. And no one knew what that meant in April. So obviously it was a huge scare. There was a lot of fear behind it. Uh, but when it got postponed, I still had a little hope because I'm like, this won't last that long. I know. Right. But then as things kept going, I, I thought it was probably inevitable. They would cancel it, but it was still a shock to the system. What was, what were your first reactions when you found out it was canceled altogether? Um, yeah, I just kept like hanging on to hope that maybe it wouldn't be canceled and maybe this wasn't so bad. And I just kind of deep down knew it, but it was just kind of like, I just like ripped the bandaid off. Like I, it was just kind of like waiting around for it to happen. Like, I just kind of was like, just tell us like, you know, this whole waiting for it to, and I, I guess what was, what was hardest for me with the whole entire thing was, uh, I are based out of Oklahoma, but I was communicating a lot with them. There was let's see how many were there was like 13 of us that were going to be going over to Boston I had rented a houseboat on the Boston Harbor that we were all going to stay on like it was just going to be one big fun you know party getting to know everybody and I, I chatted with these people online but I never met them in person and we we were talking about Boston every day I mean I was watching documentaries and I mean anything I looked up restaurants and so I was just like everything kind of my my airfare was paid for you know the housing with the houseboat, like everything was done. And I was just like, I hope it still happens. And then I just knew it wasn't going to happen. And so you're reading, you're reading, um, blogs and, and forums and stuff. And it's like, everyone's kind of like, what do you think they're going to do? And, you know, I think everybody knew deep down that it probably wasn't going to happen, but it was in it, it. It was such a disappointment and it kind of felt, I felt guilty. Um, being so disappointed because of everything was going on. People were, you know, dying and it was scary. And, you know, then I'm like, my race, you know, but really, I mean, it was, so it was, I felt like I had to internalize it a little bit just because, and be quiet about it. Cause um, I felt guilty about how I felt about it, but yeah, it was disappointing. Yeah. Well, when you work so hard for something mm-hmm. and you finally have the victory and then you're going to have essentially the celebration and it doesn't happen, it is devastating. And right. I think it's okay to have that grief and to have that like kind of selfish feeling because you worked so hard for it. And I get it. Cause I was mm-hmm. kind of the same. I'm like, well, it's not the end of the world. Right. Um, even though for me, it felt that way for a moment, but, right. um, but it is, it's still really disappointing. Um, I looked at, you know, my, my boys are competitive gymnasts and they lost out on state regions and national. Yes. You know? And, mm-hmm. and to me that, that is my nationals. Boston is like a nationals or, you know, a Super Bowl of running in a way for all of us common runners. So we lost something. I saw my boys go through it, but I went through it too. And so it's okay. I think it's okay to have those thoughts. And obviously, yes, we want to look outward and it's not, it's not the end of the world. It's, it's, it'll be okay, but it's hard. Um, And especially as a first time Boston experience, I, I felt more for 
those who have never been to Boston, who this was their first time you qualify, you never, you don't know if you're going to qualify again. It's, it's a lot of work that you put into that yeah. training. And then to have to do a virtual as your first Boston is, is sad. I mean, I hate virtual races. <laughs> right. I only did it because I felt like, it, you know, it's an epic historical moment. I'm not going to not run it, but I'm not a virtual runner. I don't do that. I like the atmosphere. I like getting out there. I like seeing the signs and right. the people and everything that a race does. Um, but so it definitely doesn't do it justice. So, no. but, but you did run the virtual, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Tell me a little and about I, how did you make that special? So, um, when Boston was supposed to originally happen, what was that back in? I don't even remember the date. It was like April 20, right? Yes. Okay. So, um, we had trained all the way almost up into that. Cause they kind of had postponed it kind of more last minute, I guess. I don't know. Um, and so I'd already trained. And so a lot of people like had stopped training or, you know, holding off and I'm like, you know, so my running group actually put on a virtual run called the lemonade marathon. And so I ran that. Um, and that's when I raised, I raised some money for, um, two local businesses in town, uh, ran by two of my friends who were kind of struggling with the whole, um, shut down and financially. And so in about a week, I was able to raise $5,000. So that made that run really, really meaningful. So, I mean, even though I didn't get to do Boston, then that kind of made up for it. And I was like, wow, this is, this was pretty amazing. I mean, it was so rewarding and meaningful. I, I like loved it. And so friends came out and, and supported me and all of that. But, um, and then, so, so Boston got postponed until September and then, um, I was talking with my running group over in Oklahoma, this, my Wahoo um, running group. And I said, I have this idea. What if I fly out to you guys since they have to all run it too? There was um, 12, 13 of us that were running uh, Boston. So what if I fly out there and run it with you guys? And so they're like, yes, do it. So I ended up flying over there. I was kind of worried about the heat and humidity because I had PTSD from my Texas marathon, but um I flew out there and I just wanted to enjoy it. I just, I didn't really, I guess didn't have a time goal, but I guess I kind of maybe did. I think we always want to do as well as we've done before, if not better, you know, you never really want to do worse, but I also wanted to enjoy it. I was looking forward to meeting up with all these people, people and making some, something out of it. So that was a great experience too. So I feel like these two, you know, the lemonade run that I did in April and then this one, I mean, I still haven't done, you know, been to Boston, um, but it was pretty, both times were really special. So, yeah, absolutely. I love that you took, um, you know, something that was somewhat devastating for you, but you were able to use it for the good of others too. When you raised money with the lemonade virtual, I think that's yeah. really cool because it, I, and that's what I love about running too, because some people could think it's like a super selfish sport, but there's right. so much community in it and there's so much you mm -hmm. can do with it. So I just think right. that that's really neat and special. And I'm sure your friends were just like, wow, this was such a blessing and uh, supported yeah. you the whole way too. Yeah. And it was, um, I am a hairstylist. And so um, it was actually my salon owner. She was really, she had just taken over the salon. She had remodeled it. She was a single mom. And um, we had, I think, stylists or two leave during that time because they couldn't pay the rent. Well, then she still has to pay her rent on the building. So she had just caught, she was like, Oh, I hope that, you know, I can survive this. And this is really difficult. 
So I was originally just going to help out with one business, my CrossFit gym owner, who was also struggling. And then I was um, talking with my, my salon owner. And I'm like, you know, I got off the phone. I was like, I bet you I could help her too. So I had contacted my clients and her clients because I had been talking about Boston for months, maybe even a year with all of these clients. These clients knew I was going to be running it. They were super supportive of it. And they all, everybody during that time wanted to help out small businesses. So I sent out an email, hey, would everybody, you know, if you want to help, have a way to help out our small business, do you want to donate to my lemonade run? It'll go towards salon owner. And so I sat out um, in front of my salon for three, let's see, an hour, one hour. And I was able to raise 4,000 for her. Wow. That's awesome. I mean, people were just like car after car after car. And so that to me, and, and that marathon was hard. Every marathon I run is hard, but at the end, I was just like, you know what, if I get to the finish line, I get to go drop this off to her. Like that was going to be my, my reward afterwards. And it was so awesome. It was just, she wasn't expecting it. And it just, I loved it. I loved that everybody came together and it was just, it was amazing. That is awesome. How cool. I just think that's so special. You know, 2020 Boston would have been special for you if you were there. Yeah. Um, why, why do you think that would have been considered a victory run for you? The going to Boston, you mean? Yeah, being there. Yeah. You know, and I, I think about it now and I'm like, because I say I'm never going to run a mar- another marathon again. Like, I, I still say that. I ran it, what, like a, two weeks ago or something? Right. <laughs> so, um, so now I'm like, I still got to get to Boston. You know, even though that was the virtual Boston, I'm like, I still have to get there. So I kind of, in a way, I'm super sad that I didn't get to actually run Boston this year, go to Boston and run Boston. But I feel like, you know, I was able to help a couple people. And then now my running, you know, career isn't over. Like I I probably still will try to keep getting to Boston because I want to be there. I want to go. Absolutely. And I just want to keep having that goal in mind. So, yeah, well, and we look to the future for 2021. Um, Hopefully it happens. We'll see Uh, if it doesn't happen. You see yourself working to qualify to get there. Yeah. And I um, am just in maintenance mode right now. You know, I feel like this is the marathon training that has like never ended. (laughs) I hear you. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm just like, every time just like, okay, I got to keep going. Okay. Okay. Now we're, we just keep, keep going. So I just feel like I've just been in marathon training for a couple of years. So I actually have taken about two week and a half, two weeks off of running, just doing my CrossFit, but I'm just going to keep doing maintenance mode, you know, have a long run on the weekend. And then, um, cause it's always hard to start all the way over again. So I just kind of want to say somewhat, in it. And then I am, I don't know. I I would love for it to happen next year in 2021, but I don't know. So I, I kind of probably because I don't want to get my hopes up and get let down again. So I'm just kind of, kind of wait, but you know, if I do another run next year here in town and then qualify again, and then maybe do Boston 2022, I don't know. Right. But eventually I kind of probably want to get there. I want to experience it. You know, I've talked to so many people that have done it and it's just sounds so amazing. So, yeah. Yeah. There's nothing like it. I w- I definitely say you got to get there for the experience. Um, yeah, it's special. It was not my favorite marathon. I'll tell you, oh. I have a favorite. Um, actually St. George marathon in Utah is my favorite, but for many, many reasons. 
Um, but Boston is my most special. Yeah. Of what it took yeah. to get there, you know? So, yeah. Um, and I definitely want to get back to experience it the way first timer experiences it, you know, and, and, and yeah. we'll get there. And, you know, I think just knowing that we can run and that that's something that didn't get canceled. It wasn't taken away from us. We're able to do what we love. I think that was special in itself. Um, where a lot of other people weren't able to do what they wanted because they couldn't get into the gym or they couldn't get into wherever they needed to be to train. And, um, and that's something that I try not to take for granted. So, yeah, I like the quote, like how you do anything is how you do everything. And Mm. I forgot who said that, but, um, I just kind of felt like, even though it was disappointing, even though it was a virtual, even though I had to run in town, you know, I, or then in Oklahoma, it's like, you just kind of whatever hand you're dealt, you just do it the best you can with your best of your ability. And you just show up, you know, that's part of it. And just, and just do it. So um, I just feel like I'm, I'm just proud of everybody that kind of ran that virtually, because that's really tough to do, and especially during a pandemic and with life and kids and school and work and businesses. It's just so much added stress. And then you, um, try to keep your head in the game, it's even harder, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Virtual is tough for any, I mean, regular races of 5k, whatever. I just run them. Yeah. I run them, but a marathon, I have never done a virtual marathon. I'll never know, do another virtual marathon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I say, but, yeah. but it is, it is a hard, hard thing, especially when you're out there, yeah. or, you know, there's just, you just don't have the atmosphere for it. So, um, Oh no, definitely not. Yeah. But now, if you were to tell listeners or give some advice, one lesson that you've learned over the years um, about either qualifying, if they're trying to qualify for Boston or if they're just going after a huge goal, what is something that you would tell them? You know, don't uh, just stay positive. I mean, I, I, I just feel like any, we're all capable of, of really doing anything. I mean, it just takes time and consistency and dedication. And it's like, you really are going to get out of it what you put into it. And so I kind of feel like, um, so many people are like, well, that's, you know, good for you that you did this. Well, you can do it. You know, anybody can do it. I tell friends and clients and I'm like, they're biggest cheerleaders. Cause I'm like, you can do it too. Just start, you know, well, I can only do this or I can't really run. It's like, just start there. I just, I really just, I think that, um, big goals are great, you know, shoot for the stars and, and I just, you know, believe in yourself, I guess, you know? Yeah. That's great advice. I love that. Um, this was fun. I enjoyed chatting with you, Jen. I love hearing just the heart behind your running and, um, I loved hearing, how you've prioritized and how you've made your training a part of your life and not your life yeah. um, and been able to do everything that you want to do with your family and still have that time. I think that was, if listeners get anything out of today, I think that's one of the golden nuggets is um, we have time. It's a matter of where we're putting it and, uh, yeah. and how we're prioritizing. So thank you so much for being here, Jen. Yes, thank you. I hope to see you in 2021. Uh, but we will see what happens, right? Oh, I know. We'll see what happens. Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. 
We all have the time for something. It's just a matter of if we want that something bad enough to prioritize that time. I love the tips Jen gave on how to accomplish this prioritizing. Isn't it amazing what the body can do when we put our mind to it? Mind over muscle, for sure. Never stop the mental training. It is a vital piece to the puzzle. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Jen as much as I did. In all things, I pray you just run your race. I believe in you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I had a great time and I hope you did too. Before we go though, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite listening platform if you haven't already. This will make sure you have access to all future episodes so you don't miss any of them. If you resonated with this episode, please consider leaving a review on iTunes or Spotify as reviews are an important part of growing this podcast. If you have any friends or family who you think would enjoy this podcast, be sure to take a screenshot and share it with them. And if you're not a part of the free Mindful Mamas online community, consider joining us. It's a community built to provide support, mindset, and encouragement as you develop your gifting, live intentionally, and go after your biggest goals, God's way. Head on over to www.redhotmindset.com to check out the show notes and find the link to join the community. I hope you step into the fire with me each and every episode because I know you will come out stronger. That's all for now. Talk with you real soon. Bye, winner.